It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth-century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. Hello, 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 everyone. Hey, people. <laughs> what day is it? What year is it? What is? What's happening? What's where? Where are we? Uh, is this? Is this a real thing? Uh, I don't know you... why the Baroness Schrader just came into my head, where she's like, "Georg, where are you?" <laughs> <laughs> but literally, that's 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 us right now. Where are we? What reality is this? What timeline? What realm? I just we, you know, we are where where there's there's so much there's so much. First off, hey, and we miss you guys. Thank you for all the lovely uh, notes um, that will be responded to at at a point at <laughs> at, at some point. Um, uh, um, you know, just life's been doing a lot of life stuff, so we hope that things are well with all of your aunt ends. Um, <laughs> that there's no you know cases of gangrene of or anything. Gangrene, sir. Well, that's what that's. Oh dear. That's what we were we told. can modify it to be like no cases of the rona because right. gangrene hope that you're that's safe. more solvable than rona right now it's, let's it's, just well keep it one honey hope that there are no uh dr kenny's uh you know giving false diagnoses those are the anti-vaxxers the dr. Kenny's. Oh, uh, i've forgotten what this all feels like um, to believe in hope, <laughs> to believe in like the possibility of like love. I, I mean, I don't want to. Are you say talking about gentleman Jack? I, I, I and am podcasting about I, it. I, I, oh. I, I am because um, I'm not used to endings that are that are uh, promising. Uh, that 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 delivers. It's a bit more, yeah, than promising. It's, it delivers. I mean, it delivers. I I don't have as a, an expansive library of non-het love stories in media as like Candace does, but to to be able to experience a happy outcome for two thespians who are vying for each other, and it's the text and not the subtext. Of a series. How about that text? <laughs> and it's in the finale and things are on and popping. It's like, wow. I I mean, I wanted it. Like, these are things that I wanted. And then, like, I got it. <laughs> I'm not used to that. I'm used to sort of, like, you know, the... Like them maybeing and almost saying was like, oh, you almost got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, were, they were thinking about maybe implying that it's possible but they're not denying it, but they're also not affirming it. And I'm used to being in that limbo where it's like, that's me looking for representation. Well, they didn't say no. That 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 is not the case here. That is not the case here. <laughs> no, that's not the case here. And it has been a minute since we uploaded our ridiculous in length Aniana saga. And I think that was like, that was around sort of, I feel like our last gasp of just energy before we burnt out. 
uh, yeah. um, in the Rona times. And for those of you listening, not just to Gentleman Jack, but Wawa Villanelle and other stuff we were doing, you were aware of just how many hours we were putting in, in addition to our personal lives and responsibilities. And with the panty, y'all, we just, it was, I mean, there was stuff going on, life drama, but then there was also just that wall of just like, where did the energy go? I don't know. Yeah, But yeah. we do want to say that, like, literally all the notes and messages we've got from people about the podcast and still listening to it, it has meant a great deal. And we've still been doing our jaunty talks about Ann and Ann. It just hasn't been on record. Right, <laughs> because, like, right. Unfortunately, you know, like, we'll see each other. We'll record the studio for a bit. We'll message back and forth, to and fro. And then it's like, wow, if other people could have just heard what just happened. Ultimately, it's just life didn't let us go live because of construction and, and other yeah. and drama. And, yeah. and you know... Uh, Rona hanging out in the streets that she's been doing for the past year. Uh, Trey annoying. Hopefully this podcast update finds most of you guys still in relatively good health, relatively good spirits, relatively sane, given all that we've had to deal with for the past year. Well, um, when I think of the past year, I think of all the rallying cries of, you know, uh, solidarity between all the citizens being treated fairly in the eyes of the law. As far as like Black Lives Matter is concerned, I think of all the sirens that we used to hear, especially over the summer, of um too many sirens. Of, of I'm guessing people needing emergency aid and care, and we were getting to the part we were getting to the point where our hospitals were flustered and they didn't know what to do, mm-hmm. and until everyone stopped operating as individual silos and we treated it as like a system where we all relied on each other hospital for support. And things were finally somewhat manageable, even though it was still egregious and outrageous. Um, with, truly, truly um, outrageous. We, we dealt with listening to daily reports of dozens and dozens of people no longer alive in, in our home state of New York. We um, I don't know if that was happening in any other states or if it was happening abroad, if they were doing daily press conferences with the updates of how we the had a whole virus was clown. managing. We had a whole ass clown in charge last year. <sighs> so it was stressful seeing those damn updates just because I feel like with every update came some bullshit. Like that, that was part of it is that your anxiety can't chill. Right. But you know the people in charge are entirely inept and deficient in all the ways in which you want someone to be adept and good at something. And so that was, I feel like it was compounding itself on all the different things and like, gosh. Everyone was running out of supplies and they were up. Uh... Also, time is a is a construct. Yeah. As we open this podcast, like I don't even know what's going on with my things. Like whole weeks pass and I'm still not sure. Is it a week? Is it three days? I don't know what's going on. I'm in the vortex, the nexus, uh, the queer vortex, but like it's different. And so I don't know. I don't know about the passage of time, you guys, but I do know that I'm super thrilled to be back in the studio finally recording our reaction to the finale of season one of Gentleman Jack with all the things that Terrence mentioned earlier, all the good things that we wanted, that we deserved, but definitely didn't know or expect that we would be getting from this fucking show or Sally Wainwright or Saran Jones or Sophie Rundle, but we sure, we sure as the fuck did. And so how exciting is that? I feel like we've watched it at least a dozen times in the interim yeah. since we last talked to you guys. 
guys. But you know what? Why not just watch it one more again? One just re-up on again. those endorphins and those excellent feels on all the, the queer love on display, yes. sweeping shots, and then get back in his bitch and start the review. All right. So we'll be right back, you guys. Time to cue the jaunty music. We're back, we're back, we're back, and I feel so good. Let me not. I don't know why. See, Mm. but that's how it is when I am happy. I'm like, let's sing, let's dance, let's create, let's generate our own musical, Candice. I mean, there was there was gore, there was there was blood. I mean, there was an animal, but still, it was there. And then you know, there was love, strongly implied. Um, happy faces, people liberating themselves, people freeing themselves from the trappings. of heteronormativity you know how about i'd rather not entertain this whatever person this whatever fellow this whatever man how about we delete the mans altogether? i mean i just felt like i mean and uh, walker came to terms she was like men who needs them (laughs) certainly not me all right all right so let's just let's get into the damn recap okay so because this is the wedding episode yes this is episode eight of series one entitled are you still still talking talking? are you still talking (laughs) are you still talking so yeah this shot opens up with Anne in a carriage and she of course she's riding to aunt Anne, who is looking a little frail i don't like it it was making me nervous when i first watched it and of course she's reading this letter from Anne, who's still in process writing the letter and she's hanging out with a young gal sophie who we've learned has just turned 24 and has also just turned down a Russian suitor with 2k a year which as we know in this Georgian era is a big deal he could have paid several rents he could have if it was you know if it behooved him and we hear that apparently Sophie is a handful because she didn't want to marry an old man who was 20 years her senior and I'm like girl that sounds like logical misandry right good for you she was like I want to marry for love and of course Sophie (laughs) you are naive <laughs> I just like the way she delivered that line because you could hear it. You could hear that energy from her family. Oh, and then she starts doing that inquisitive thing with Alistair. They're like a meter inquisitive apart from each thing? other. That was a flirt. It was, that's, but you know. There's types of inquisition and some inquisition has flirtation attached to it. And that's what the fuck so It must doing. have been the thermometer that Anne just had, you know, protruding. I think right it was the jaunt. I think it was the gay vapors. Oh, well. As know. she says, you are quite unusual <laughs> to look at. Like you, you're going to stare. You're going to just take in an eyeful of Ann Lister if you can't no, that's you true. can't really help yourself she was like um, so are you running from something she's like what makes you think I'm running away from something she goes uh, but <laughs> you're actually missing the first thing she says where she's like do you think I'm pretty which is why I said it's not it's about the flirtation because that's how she opens that shit she's like do you think I'm pretty and Anne being Anne is like I think you dress prettily like, here's half a compliment here's right. half here's half alright she's like yeah I've seen you looking at me well I've seen you looking at me yeah Sophie is obviously quick with the wit she can obviously ascertain through the vibes that Anne is attracted to women because she continues to troll her right when she basically asks if she was running away she's like what what makes you think i'm running away and then she said a woman gets Anne's attention of your rank and i'm like (laughs) i was like that pregnant pause did not have to go down like no it did it did (laughs) sophie was choosing violence and i appreciate that queer violence she was like let's really talk about what's happening here has someone broken your heart uh you have a vivid imagination oh i think i've touched a nerve like girl girl the way she said that she was having too much fun she was like look again in the wild let me have fun so who is he 
she, she. <laughs> <laughs> they, them. Like, girl. And then it's just like, uh, this child. <laughs> These mischievous baby gays. I can't. And then um, do we get the rundown of, like, Anne's ridiculous travels? We do. Right. Because it's a bit of a montage. You want to go through the places she, she went through? She's like, world. Mal, Ebernay, <laughs> crossed over to Luxembourg, and then over to Moselle, and Prussian territory. I feel like Corblenz was in there. Marburg, where she slept in her gray coat. Oh, right, because the bed was damp. And then the final place where she went with Sophie in the Kalesh to visit the Palais de Cue, which she regarded as stunning, but a disappointment because she wasn't feeling the waterfall. I was like, Ed, you're such a snobby bitch sometimes. Because I thought, I thought it was beautiful. And I'm like, I'm sorry, don't you live over there by Shibden? I just feel like there's a lot of trees. There's not many waterfalls. Like, come on. She's she's doing man work to get Shibden to look the way she would Man's love to work, see it. But she's not out here making a waterfall, well, sir. Well, well, But well. she was like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> it's like, you're at a whole palace, Anne. But you know what? If you're not traveling with your bae, that makes sense. Right. And then that's when she breaks the fourth wall to let us know, right in that scene, that she's like, well, if anything, because she's been waiting to hear back about the condition of Anne Walker, because it was hinted at that she was not getting better. And if anything, she was getting worse. Yes, and so. that she wrote back three full pages of sound advice, which means she really fucking cared. And she was like, and we know Anne fancies herself a doctor, was hella detailed about, here's what I think you should do to solve the problem and to not get anywhere back. Oh, it's bad enough to write one letter, one page letter. I just had the line popping in from Aaliyah. I'm All writing right. you a four page <laughs> letter. But yeah, so that's pretty fucked up for Anne. She has to travel and pretend like she's not concerned with the fact that she wrote this ridiculously long letter and that no one has written back, but you can tell it is under her skin and she's not happy about it. Right. And mostly what's making it worse is like, it's sort of like vague booking or like subtweeting where it's like, oh, life sucks or whatever. Like something happened. I, I should not be talking about this, but I was uh, working at the restaurant. And then right before I checked in to start my shift, I saw a message on one of my social meds where someone said, tell my mom. I'm sorry. And then put like a little like black heart thing and the sent that. And I'm mean? like, what the? so I tried to go into the DMs to be like, hey, what's going on? Are you good? The DMs are closed. The DMs are closed. They have never been closed that before. And so I'm like, well, what do I do with this? Do I try to heart it? Do I try to retweet this? I feel like attention needs to be kind of thrown in this direction. And I'm at work for like three hours. And I'm like, no, there's no updates. There's no responses. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to think. And then like an hour before the end of like uh my shift, finally there was an update going, Oh, I was tripping for a second, but but I'm good. And it's like but Wow. I mean I'm happy that you are good, but at the same time I want to curse I you out because out. <laughs> Exactly. So and that was me being left on red for what, three, four, five, six hours? Imagine, and Anne has been days. left on red for weeks. She's right, like, right. I know it don't take that long for a fucking letter to get to Scotland. Uh, yeah, so it is, it's distressing for Anne. And we get a fourth wall break for when she mentions that she's hoping to hear from her when she reaches Copenhagen. But then we see Sophie appear in the background and Anne looks hella annoyed that this baby gay is still trailing along. <laughs> and it's adorable and funny and sad all at the same time. Yeah. And then we get our opening credits intro. We sure do. I guess we gotta, I guess we gotta cue the jaunty music. Oh, yeah. 
All right, and so we have jaunted into the opening credits. And once we emerge from those damn credits, Anne's pit is in the process of being sunk, and there's a dead horse. Yeah, and I was like, this is one of the <laughs> saddest sights I have seen. There's a bunch of, like, flies, because, you know, I guess we just all need to know that the horse is that dead. <laughs> and, of course, I guess they're trying to say that this is not a high shilling operation. High <laughs> shilling? Good Lord. Like, they're like, you know what, this is... Yeah, this is... Well, apparently everything's gone to shit, essentially, and is going to cost more than they originally thought. And it's only been six fucking weeks at the time of this scene. And they're already dipping into the slush fund, according to the dude working with Washington to sink the damn pit. And the worker's basically like, hey, yeah, we need extra ends because shit has gone wrong. And Washington's like, bruh, I don't think there are any Right. I don't think there is any additional money. So, I mean, I'm sad that this is the way that this Whatever. Is we knew this looking. was the way it was going. When I mean, Ed was like, fuck it, let's leverage ship to fuck it. Yeah, but I mean, the whole point of even sinking this pit was to catch the misdeed in the act so that they could force the Rossons to pay for what they stole. Like, we had to be able to prove that but something was also to was get some stolen. earnings. Also get some uh, earnings well, yeah, because she yeah. can make that money. Yeah. So it's not looking good is what we're saying. Shenanigans have gone down on the pit side and it's looking real bad. And I'm sure Washington is like, I'm a money guy, I, I, but I'm not really Is Washington really a money a- guy? I feel like Washington's an organizing guy. Like he was drawing his little <laughs> diagrams. I don't know if he's a money guy because it's like, how did you not see this coming, Washington? You and Anne together. But yeah, from there we cut back to Anne arriving in Denmark with Sophie and it's raining a lot. It looks really bad. You made some yeah, comment about, I oh my God, this bad like, weather. And I'm like, right. they're from England. Aren't they used to this fucking? weather i just you know it's not like they in the caribbean and both eugenie and sophie we can see are visibly annoyed and who wouldn't be it looks wet as hell i mean those garments are really heavy so i feel like when they get wet just like all of you is upset i i don't know about yeah, you but you know, i yeah. i really can't stand wearing wet clothes especially if it's wet through and then um, unless it's like tropical weather like no, a, you right. know one of those summer rainstorms like it'll evaporate away so you're not feeling the weight of the rain or because you hot it's all right exactly and then as you dry out you're still getting like this cold breeze but just when it's cold outside and it looks like it's borderline winter and it's coming down like that and I'm soaked through. Nah, I can relate to Eugenie's face in that moment. And when um Anne steps out to meet I know it's Lady Harriet and then I guess her her husband. I guess. I, I don't know for oh, sure. Fantastic for on you for remembering <laughs> this um, acquaintances and things because I definitely don't. Um, I didn't even write it down. I was just like them peoples. <laughs> them peoples who met Anne and, and her they, crew. With their little the umbrellas and I'm like the rest of the outfit is soaked but I guess they just don't mind i it was i was trying to just math that in my head but sure <laughs> they're like oh how'd you find it and Anne's like terrible <laughs> but you know she's facing everything with you know good spirit good heart and yeah they talk about putting her up somewhere like a nearby hotel of royale i guess was it a hotel versus their like shit it could have been I mean, or I maybe know. it's don't the, quote me don't quote me it's maybe been it's been. the <laughs> thing that maybe they own it who knows right like they could have you know people with means usually have things and if they just had this property to be like hey because i'm like did she really go to denmark for them to be like hotel <laughs> motel holiday Inn? i just feel like the kind of people that ann was visiting with sure 
surely, surely you have a guest space. And then, and when we entered the space, it did look humongous. It was like, well, this do. And she's looking at where, with the camera in a single shot, we're going from room to room to at least, I want to say we passed through at least two rooms. No, we do. They do a lot of those uh, tracking shots in this episode in particular, especially when we see Anne go to the Queen's Ball and shit like that. Yeah, so while Anne is here, about to get settled, she asks if she got any correspondence because we know Anne Walker is still on the brain. And when she doesn't see anything about Anne, she doesn't have anything about Anne. There's no letters. There's no telegrams. There's nothing. And like we can tell that Anne is visibly upset. Once again, a bit unnerved by what's happening. Right. She was like, oh, I'm popping, popping. They was like, yeah, you got all these letters. She was like, she's like, where? One, what we got? What we two, got? Three. I was like, well, none from these are all... None from Anne Walker. <laughs> right. Like these are none of this says the city none of this has the information that i want right and she mentions that she's concerned because she heard from Anne's sister and it didn't seem cool and she wrote back quick as fuck and she still has her back and so she is suffering uh to the tune of what you were describing earlier with your twitter dm right story i don't wish that on anybody because imagine hearing about it after the fact and you're like yo but why don't you reach out i mean i want to because my imagination already like i'm a worry war like that can just happen so i don't need to then just be allowed to have my imagination fester all the worst possible scenarios like potentially give myself both high blood pressure and a heart attack and aneurysm just because i've stressed myself out there like no 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 i like to avoid those situations whenever possible no yeah that was in me just trying to work it away and i'm like Ugh, it wasn't working. I was still stressed. All right. So after we leave a stressed Ann Lister, stressed and disappointed Ann Lister, mm-hmm. we cut to a melancholy, but still thirsty, Ann Walker, who is in sullen blue, is what I like to call it. <laughs> blue and plaid or plaid blue, looking out onto the water of Scotland somewhere with her quilt on, just looking absolutely, totally, completely disaffected right she's alone. like definitely Just resigned to she's horror. half of herself right and we find out later on i don't even know if i should mention it but she ultimately feels like she's being left on red she's not used to this many days without correspondence well that's true we got to get to that because she ain't burned a she ain't burned a thing yet no wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah so after we see her just looking melancholy and blue, literally cast in shades of blue, the camera zooms out to reveal her sister watching just like, damn. And surely if you saw that vision of Ann Walker, you two would be like, damn, this is, uh, this doesn't look good. And from there, we see Anne's sister go up to see her whack-ass husband, Sutherland. And she tells him how Anne is just like still there. And so you get the idea that Anne has been there for a minute that people woke up and were like, where's Anne? Oh, she's outside staring at the water. Two hours pass. Where's Anne? She's still, she's still staring (laughs) at the water. So she's trying to talk to her husband like, yo, my sister is still there and I am concerned because she's being all sad and sullen and I don't want her to feel this way. And of course the captain is not on this page at all. He's like, He's on the whatever page, the right. whatever I don't give a fuck page. Like, you know what would be good for a woman who's just sitting around doing nothing? Give her kids! Like, <laughs> Actually, no, before he says that, he's like, isn't fresh air good for women? Like, oh. don't you guys need oxygen and stuff? Like, isn't that good for her? And from there, Anne's sister is like, okay, but what about the letter from Miss Lister? Has that shown up yet? Because I'm increasingly worried about what's happening with my sister. You... And Miss Lister seemed like wow. she has some great evidence, some great suggestions. Like, where's it at? You just remind me, yeah, and he was like, um... Well, no, I told you I haven't seen it, but but have you looked? Yeah, I told you I looked. 
and then of course she's she's like you know um like oh well it's a mystery it just you know grew legs walked away or what have you and he's like you know things get thrown out or whatever and i'm like oh oh do they he's a bit too prickly he definitely in my opinion conspired to get rid of that letter well after elizabeth realized her husband is definitely going to be entirely unhelpful when it comes to Anne's letter and lister's letter she laments that she can't send one back because she's like well okay so you can't find a shit it's misplaced and shit well that's pretty fucking shitty because i i definitely want to write her back to thank her but also just to like you know let her know what's up because her and my sister were really close and i feel really skeeved out that you can't find a letter but sure 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 i think a part of me would have wanted to hope that she would have uh even without an address to send a letter to just shipton hall and then maybe we would have gotten some sort yeah, of but, i mean think about how long that would take to no, go to shipton true. hall and then wait for them to know where Anne is to send it there like it's a it's a lot but also maybe you don't want to risk people reading your letters i really don't know what the uh the politics are of letter writing there specifically but i feel like the husband would always conspire to fuck it up oh no i i could see that yeah the husband sutherland eventually asked Elizabeth if she showed Anne the letter and she confirms that she didn't because she didn't want the letter to cause undue stress or anxiety for her sister because he did not want them to take the advice that Anne Lister sent along about a medicine man. Even though that was the premise for why he came to collect uh, and walk in the first place but you know. Not a premise was for head propaganda this we know because his mother let it be known from right there. She had no shame whatsoever about dropping the family gossip about who's a homosexual who has no money and who is just looking for a woman to marry to fix their lives and reputations. So she practiced saying a lady's physician for hours in that carriage ride over to Crow's Nest. I, I cannot. Yeah, and then Sutherland goes on to say that he's happy that she didn't get to see the letter because he feels like Ann Walker has an unhealthy obsession and mentions that she has a sketch of Ann Lister in her book and Elizabeth's like, oh, she does? She does because how the fuck would you know that? Like y'all hear uh, snooping and shit. And he's like, yeah, I'm snooping and shit. Duh, that's what I do. I'm a man. This is the Georgian era. You have no secrets. And so <laughs> Elizabeth Ooh. just is like, okay, this is not good. And then after that, he suggests bringing that homosexual family member, Alexander, to a shindig. So once again, he can try to hook up Ann Walker and more specifically her inheritance to his loser family member who has nothing. Well, at least her sister had her back as best she could and was like well i think he should just accept the answer that he got which was no answer because she shot marry him and we all understood that so yeah but she's battling the patriarchy within the the physical form of her husband because he essentially says like he thinks that you know as for a woman motherhood and fresh air should be what solves all your ills because Elizabeth says to him, you know, giving birth doesn't always help someone get rid of their demons, essentially, paraphrasing. And he's basically like, really? Well, good gracious me! It should! And so she's she's locked into a situation that is grotesque. And there's no feasible way out for her, really. Especially because divorce isn't an option. And so I think that is the turning point for her to be like, I gotta get my sister out of this joint because here I am, perfectly trapped. And maybe when I thought it would be nice to have my sister here, when I didn't feel like she was succumbing to the head trap. But now now that the head trap seems to be imposing its stuff upon her, my husband is derelict, deficient, and immoral. That now's the time for her to flee before it's too late. I mean, if there was ever a perfect definition of the 11%, it's having three kids and no O's. And I'm sorry, Elizabeth, that that is your life. 
I, I'm I just I'm just so sorry. Well, yeah. Anytime your husband suggests that the cure for your sister's mental difficulties or emotional difficulties is that a dude propose, knock her up and give her something to think about, because that's literally what he says. He's like, she should have some kids married as dude so she can have something else to think about that isn't herself. And I'm like, oh, imagine a man saying that. Give yourself something else to think about that isn't you. Like, um, why don't you try that, Sutherland, you bitch? Instead of snooping in other people's journals and seeing who's doodling what like yeah he's annoying and counting other people's coins and purses what do you mean that's what the men did though they counted all the women's coins because it wasn't ultimately theirs it was theirs until they were married to some men but thankfully we escaped from that scene and we are back to Anne arriving to her fancy Danish dinner party where she's actually in a dress obviously a bit uncomfortable because who wouldn't be but also still looking really great and doing what she does being social enjoying herself fraternizing with the folks and you know, everyone seems to be taken by Miss Lister because, you know, she's obviously very interesting to speak with. And more importantly, Sophie's still flirting. Oh, well, <laughs> Sophie hasn't stopped trolling Anne from the minute she got in the that carriage. And I think she's having the best time. And honestly, if I was a young baby gay and I spotted an older <laughs> gay in the wild, I'd troll the fuck out of them, too. I'd be like, bitch, how, how does this go? And certainly for the historical nightcap, we'll add other context to how Anne had a bitch on her knee um, while she was traveling. Lord, because I'm just saying there. If the table was short enough, I I bet one leg would have hit another leg. Is all I'm. And does like to pay footsie at times. So yeah, one of the first lines Sophie says when we're back in that scene is like, "Miss Lister likes trouble," and it's like, (laughs) "Ma'am, young young lady, young lady." Somebody wants to get into trouble. And Anne, of course, gives her this look like, really, bitch? <laughs> really, bitch? You still on 10? Okay, great. Okay, great. What are you, you're only 24. I mean, you, you were in many knickers when I was out with the loose women and gambling with the soldiers. But at the same time, when Anne looks back on herself at 24, she honestly has no space to say no, a no. goddamn thing. No, when she was right. prioritizing a grubble above all, so... <laughs> It's it's true. And of course, they're like, well, um, so we heard that you're going to be staying uh, for the winter. And she's like, yeah, through like to like the spring. Well, essentially, the people talking about, I guess, what aristocracy does. Sophie's still being naughty, of course, but Anne is being told that she has to be introduced at court. And Anne's like, I don't know. Does that require wearing another dress? Because really, <laughs> we don't do that in England. They're like, oh, but we do that here. Especially because we got this dude over here, the Hagamon, and he got the connection. He got the hookup. He has the ear of the people in court. And it's what it's what we do. Besides, the queen is having a birthday party and you gotta go, bitch. And she's like, oh, okay. I gotta go. Gotta get invited. I guess I will be going to court. And literally... The next scene involves Marion reading another letter from Ann Lister to Aunt Anne. And it's hilarious because <laughs> Marion can't pronounce the Hagamon because she probably doesn't know how it goes. She's like, this is a non-English name and I'm entirely lost. And of course, Ann Lister is telling the family about what she's been up to and the daily routine. But for us, the viewer and Marion, who's there, we notice that Aunt Anne, she's out here coughing. She's coughing a heck of a lot. Mm-hmm. And she's not looking her best. She's looking a little bit pale. She's looking like she's had better days. And so that's concerning. I feel like she comments about Anne's energy, like what energy she has. And Marion's looking concerned. She's like, yeah, but are you are are you good? Like, should I keep going? Because you don't like you're coughing and I'm I'm getting concerned. Yeah, she's like... 
Read it again. But yeah, she's like, I'm fine, bitch. Read the letter again. Read the letter again. I want all the tea. And then from there, I believe we cut to motherfucking Washington talking to Captain Lister about Anne's L's that she's currently oh, right. taking at the pit. Because he was also like, she read is it not, again. You're right. 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 And basically, he starts out asking Captain Lister if he's aware of the pit being sunk down at Connery. Do you know about that shit? And he's like, yeah, I do know about that shit. But you want to know when I found out about that shit? Literally five minutes before the bitch left. Five minutes before she was set to depart on her world tour. And I think that's fucked up because she didn't even tell me how she was going to pay for it. She didn't say anything about that. She just said she was doing it. And then she bounced. Lord. Right. So he is prefacing. And of course, he was bracing Anne's father because of a letter of instruction that he received from Anne Lister about approaching him for some promised funds in the amount of what 450 pounds to you know well yeah he says that he wrote her three weeks prior to receiving this letter to be like hey um there's been problems there have been l's i know you're out there doing your thing and traveling and seeing art but also we we have issues and that even though we were trying to keep costs down the shit has backfired entirely and eaten through the entire rest of like the slush fund and savings we had on reserve and of course and and this is ridiculous of Anne because she just writes to Washington to be like, okay, go to my daddy. <laughs> Remind him of that time that he said he had about 450 pounds, even though he said that's all he had. Tell him we might need that. We might need that 450. It's probably not a big deal, but also tell him we should have that on reserve because issues have been had. And well, he said he had it. And I felt like Captain Lister's face. He's like, what? <laughs> 450 pounds. I told her that's all I did have. I told her that was my whole slush fund as a human. And she wants that for the pit that I only knew was being sunk five minutes before she left. Okay. And it's crazy because, of course, he being who he is, understands the nasty business of oil, so he knows how much it costs to even, like, sink a pit, and he knew that she was on the outside, Miss Walker, when she was first excited about maybe doing it, and it's like, well, and then five minutes before she leaves, she's sinking a pit. So... Yeah, he's very suspicious of where the money came from. Right. And he's trying to press Washington for it, and he's like, bitch, I don't know. (laughs) Don't shoot the messenger, please. Literally, and wrote me this letter, and I'm bringing it to you. I don't want to be involved in the rest of the family business. Thank you. All right. So then after that closes, we enter the next scene, which is with Anne Walker, and she is in Scotland. Still in Scotland, sad and depressed. Lord. Looking at her sketch, which is a pretty fly sketch. It was very nice. I was hoping that Ann Lister would see that one day. But by the time we finish the scene, the anger and neglect takes over. She rips that beautiful sketch from her book and she's like, to the fire you go. Burn. And of course, I was like, no! As I'm sure the entire fandom screamed. All right. So after the art is burned and will be never seen again by anyone, including Ann Lister, we cut to... And jaunting into a Danish palace, it looks like, to present herself at court, jaunting as she does, fast and gay as fuck, with some place to go, something to do, at least that's what it looks like, and with zero fucks, which I love. Pure gay energy, the whole move, I'm gay, that is <laughs> that is the energy she was walking yeah. into the palace with. Fucking jaunts in, right past some, like, gold lion statue that I think is, like, the the line, like, don't cross this line, this is royalty, back here, queen and shit, and Anne's like, boop, around the line. And let me just curtsy at the first bitch I see. This one. She looks Your regal. Majesty. She looks regal. <laughs> and I feel like that woman got her whole life. She was like, damn, I haven't seen a bitch curtsy to me ever. But this is cute. She's cute. But also, I'm not the one. That one over there. <laughs> right. <laughs> to the real queen. 
of Denmark. And Anne, of course, is like, oh, my bad, my bad, um, your majesty. <laughs> and they intersplice this scene with Anne also back at the crib, talking to her peoples about it, where they're like, how'd it go? And she's like, ridiculous. I curtsied at the wrong woman. I, I did. Of course I did. And they have a great laugh about it. Oh, and of course, you know, she apologizes. And they this, this is a very interesting exchange that sort of happens between the queen and... It's an extremely and, interesting exchange. And Anne Lister. Of course, she's like, what brings you to Copenhagen. I don't know why Red keeps getting the sense that she's running from something, that she's dealing with a thing. It's, it's, I don't know if they want to say it's written on her face. Like, I, I can't call it, but it's just, it's well, a power also, move. I mean, a power move for the queen? It's, yeah. It, First she, of all, look, 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 look. I'm not going to get into my side theories entirely of what royal quiz do, but that queen of Denmark was exuding extreme top energy. Like, that's what it was. And honestly, if you're moving out there in those ridiculous uh, old aristocratic circles, royal circles, fucking, you know, blue blood type shit, I would imagine if you're a queer, that top energy, like, is something else. It makes me think of the film Girl King, where it's about Christina of Sweden, who was, you know, essentially a girl king. She inherited the throne and was doing the thing. And according to the evidences left behind, it was very queer. And in the film, there might be something we review somewhere at a different time. Well, I'll say this about the film. They juxtapose what is her obvious confidence because she's incredibly intelligent, of course. She's a royal, so she's been raised to speak all these languages and understand these things. But within her queerness, there's like an unsureness. So there's this dichotomy in the film of her being being like, of course I can do this or call you this. I'm your queen. But then also being like, I'm a baby gay and I'm not sure how to do this. So, <laughs> it's funny. I'm just going to say that the Queen of Denmark did not exhibit the baby gay uh, um, portion. She was a queen that was settled into her queenness. I feel like she has talked to many women uh, the way she spoke to Anne and she had it handled. And I just love the way it was acted and played by both actresses, especially Saran, because, you know, she has such a, a demeanor and countenance as Anne Lister, imposing, strong, I would say, type A personality. Mm -hmm. And in this situation, it's very obvious who is the, I don't want to say alpha, but the top, the person with the <laughs> with the power. And obviously you would say it's the queen, but also there were other things. I feel like that was giving her power, but definitely that is a vibe we get, I would say, nearly straight away. Right. She was like, okay, you you enter my uh, uh, chambers. Well, we aren't at the chambers. We were basically, was this like a throne room? It could have been. So let's let's say that we'll preface Some it sort of throne say, room? I don't know. Would the royals be chilling? <laughs> right. Wherever the royals be chilling, because Alyssa, of course, skips whatever line it could have been to accidentally curtsy to the wrong person. So she's right. like, Right, oh, if she'd have waited by the lion, someone probably would have stepped up and been like, it's me. She was like, I don't have time. I'm in Lister and move, please. I'm gay. So, so yes. So, I guess recognizing that within Ann Lister and then asking her like all of these questions where it's sort of, I don't want to say unsettles the, because it was already, I don't want to say it was already like, shaken it wasn't but it was like firm i'm here to be greeted i'm here to be you know but i think it's also the top energy because Anne is always exuding the top energy and she was out topped well yeah by a royal because right. she just at no point in time did she have control of the conversation Not she was just all. blindsided and bamboozled by her really direct questions of like well tell me this and i suppose like if you're dealing with a queen in those times you're like oh i guess i gotta tell you this because <laughs> these are the roles 
right, right. These right. little fucking rules. Like, and so you? from the jump, she's like, um, all right, so what brings you here to Copenhagen? And Anne's like, bitch, I don't know. She's like, start at the beginning. How about that? Start there. Tell me about Halifax and shit. And Anna's like, Halifax? Why does anyone want to know about Halifax? I literally just love Halifax because I couldn't stand being there. Because if I don't have a wife, I literally can't be in Halifax. It's too boring. It's too drag for me. I feel like that's what was in Anne's face. She was like, Halifax? Why are you trying to hear about Halifax, bitch? And the queen continues like, it's in the north, right? It's over there in the north. I understand there are things happening. Turmoil, the machinery. <laughs> and Anne's response is like, oh, yeah, yeah. There are people up to no good. <laughs> it's just like... It's a flashback to Anna the first episode talking about politics where she's just like not on the right side of modernization. But the queen I love has no time for Anne's bullshit because she's like, oh, but I mean, the future is now. Right. And the future is all that shit. Right. The machinery and shit like that's that's what we're doing. Moving to the future. And I feel like Anne says, well, you know, some that's one. That's one way. That's one way of looking at it. But before she can continue to uh, finish her sentence, the queen adds, and we must always embrace the future, right, bitch? <laughs> right. I was, right. I was like, wow. She said, what you're doing here is evolving your opinions because I'm a fucking queen and right. you're in my court. So right. let's let's try this again. So, <laughs> so that's so what I mean by the top energy. So Anne had you no agree control. that we She's all... like, you agree <laughs> that the future is good? And Anne was like, actually, I don't because I don't like machines. But sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're a queen. And of course, Anne's response to this is like, I'm, I'm not convinced that's true. <laughs> like, which I guess was a soft ball way to be like, I disagree. Your queenliness. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you know, but I'm in my Baroque melancholy period right now. And I'm not trying to be inspired by you or your inspirational words of hope and future. Are we getting close to when she's asking about the, the outfit? She's like, well, she transitions immediately after that to be like, okay, so next, do you always wear black? Because this whole time she's been sizing Anne Lister up, which again, because she's so uniquely dressed. And and I also think her energy just abounds, especially if you yourself are on the spectrum. You're like, mm, something's happening here. And so I just think she was trying to see what's happening. She's like, what is this? What is this? What, what are you doing? This is intriguing to me. And again, I love the fact that Anne can never get her footing. Like she can never just like reside in a statement or lead any statement. She's just constantly responding to the fastballs of this queen that it keeps throwing her off kilter. Yeah, and she's like, well, why do you always wear black? And she goes through, she's like, I'm essentially a mourning because, you know, um, there was a person I was engaged to and then they ended up marrying someone else. Well, first she tries to lie because she's like, do you always wear black? And she's like, well, no. And then she thinks she's like, bitch, I'm I'm out here lining these streets. Yes, yes, I do <laughs> mostly wear black. It's true. She got it's caught true. out there. It's true, I do wear black. And then the queen is like, but why, bitch? Why? And she's like, well, you know, <laughs> shrug. Um, it suits me. It's just, you know, I don't know if I want to talk about my heartbreak, but it suits me. But of course, because she's dealing with a queen, the queen is like, okay, yeah, but I'm looking you up and down and I can see that clearly a number of colors would suit you. So what's the real reason? And Anna's like, goddamn, this bitch. <laughs> Felt like an like, uh, Oprah interview, like... Just so... Very much like an Oprah interview. And after that, Anna's like, damn, I guess I got to come clean and shit. Well, okay, so once this one time, I was engaged to a person and shit, but you know, it didn't work out and I got hitched to someone else. And since then, I, I've been in mourning. I've been in mourning and just like wearing black to do that whole thing. And so the queen's like, okay, all right, well, when was that? How long ago was that? And Anna's like, 18, 16. And she's like, bitch, 16 years. <laughs> 16 years. 16 years. And really, and she's like, actually 17, if we want to just want to be accurate with the math, it's 17 years. <laughs> and this, oh of God. course, hit me in a way because I I survived a relationship where, you know, someone ended up um, no longer of this world back in January of 2003. So, well, now it's been 
you know, more years since it's been like 18 years. But when this was out, that 16, 17 was, was, it was right in that pocket. So I was like, oh, wow, I understand this. I mean, I, 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 I didn't do a John all Black through all the time, but, but yeah, I was like, hmm, I feel Sometimes this. you got to color code your outfits to your feelings. I get that. And so after Anne reveals that she has been brooding in black for 17 years, I love the queen's response here because it's appropriate. And she's like, oh, how romantic. Because to be that distraught and that dramatic over someone is a type of, I don't want to say romance, but romantic elements. Well, yeah. And she kind of has this smirk on her face like, I see what type of woman you are because you have to be a certain type of person to be that caught up and dramatic where you were in black 17 years later. And I feel like that's when she grabs her hand and she's given like these sympathetic sapphic vibes where she's like, here, let me soothe you with my queenliness. Let me take your hand. Let me do a little thing. And what does she say? Oh no, she finishes her sentence. She's like, that's pretty fucking romantic, but perhaps, perhaps, perhaps is it not time to get over that shit? And Anne's like, oh my God, what? Ask me to get over some shit. And that's when Anne is like, but it keeps happening, bitch. But it keeps happening though. That's part of the problem is that I keep trying to not mourn, but then I meet another bitch and this shit happens all over again and it's depressing me and my homegirls. And it's, that's just me. Me, it's depressing me. Queen, if you have to know. <laughs> then she's like, oh, so that's why you're in Copenhagen. You're on the run from a broken heart. And I'm like, this is everybody. Everybody's reading you, Anne Lister. Like what's, what's I don't know if everybody is, though, because this soliloquy did not happen with any of those other Danish people she was hanging out with. No one outside of Sophie right, was right. like, what you doing? You're running away? <laughs> and so that's why I say it's the queer genre. It's the queer vibes. It's the spectrum shit where you're like, I don't know. This looks a little gay. Looks like Sappho's moving through you. It's just something I'm getting. It's just a vibe I'm getting. And that look that the actress uses who's playing the queen, it's like a knowing look. She's like, ah, well, there's nothing like a heart broken by another woman. Believe me, I know. That's, that's just me putting into the story. That's me adding information to the queen's life. But I really think the queen had a dalliance or seven because she's a queen. Why not make it seven? I agreed. And then she finishes off her shit and her insights with, listen, when you come to my birthday ball, Miss Lister and I sure the fuck hope you do because I'm a fucking queen. I'm basically inviting you right now, bitch, which means you should definitely have to go. Um, I just wanted to let you know that everyone's going to be wearing white and shit. So think about that. Consider that. Remember that I'm a queen and do your life appropriately. Well. <laughs> uh, did she I'm sure she had feelings and but there was there was no time to express them not not when you've been so wrapped unwrapped <laughs> unwrapped not even wrapped just like unwrapped exposed dragged emotionally I mean it was a very tender moment which was great because I just felt like Anne wasn't going to give Sophie a piece into that especially because Sophie's so young but it looked as though the queen could either be Anne's age or older than Anne and so it's a different type of knowingness than Sophie being fucking you know a trolling gay baby who's like oh do you like girls is your heart broken and again who knows if Sally Wainwright has spoken on this but you just get the depth from the queen that she really understands where she's coming from and perhaps herself has found a way to come through it and move past it which is something that we know Anne Lister has kind of figured out but also not really because every time her heart gets broken she is back in the same place with that finger looking to God being like not again don't you do this if you guys could see me I'm shaking my little finger <laughs> little crook in it just like Anne she's sick of being burned She's she just wants a real shot so the next scene, who is this with all this energy, stopping about in all white? But, uh, 
and Lista <laughs> jaunting into the birthday ball at the palace. And I just fucking love this walk. I've already said it. She's walking past people and men swiftly, confidently, aggressively. And it's fantastic. Move. I'm gay. All right. Once Anne makes her way into the great hall, she locates a friend. And I love that while she's trying to get to this friend, she's still like shoulder checking and crashing into people. And then she tells this friend that she was just speaking with Princess Caroline for more than 10 minutes, which I'm sure is very cool. Sounds fun. But this woman is really ready to fuck Anne Lister up because of what's on her mind is like, oh, I've been meaning to ask you. Anne, about your friend, your friend, <laughs> your friend <laughs> that you've been waiting for a letter from. And immediately you see Anne Lister's face change because she absolutely cannot escape Anne Walker no matter how much she tries her or her vapors. Her face drops. She's like, you know what? Let's I'm just going to reply to you. No, no, I haven't. I haven't. I have not heard from Anne, but thank you for fucking up my mood. Where's Sophie? Ah, there she is. <laughs> then she jumps off to Sophie. All aggressive and shit. And it's like, you want to dance, bitch? Like, let's dance. And Sophie's with like, oh my God. You. With who? And she's like, with me! <laughs> you already know what the gay vibes is like. And then, of course, there was a dip. I was like, okay. Well, first off, I felt like the energy and this dance scene was like a weird circling the drain kind of moment. Like, there was despair. It's definite despair, definite circling the drain, definite let me get some physical activity going to distract me from my mental anguish that I've just been dropped back into. And we do have a moment where while they're just sort of like galloping and I was going to say shenanigan, but that's not a word. While they're galloping and being ridiculously gay in the thing, Sophie in a moment is like, are you okay? Because I think she's had enough exposure to Anne Lister to be like, all right, she's definitely less okay than she was in this other moment. And of course, Anne Lister does what she does generally, which is not answer, ignore, or just pretend like no one even inquired as to her being okay. And that's when she dips Sophie. She's like, shh, don't ask about my emotions. Take this dip. And she doesn't respond to her. And they continue their wild and chaotic, really gay dancing and gallivanting across the ball. And I hope they made all the hits uncomfortable. That is my hope. Or inspired <laughs> a baby gay in a room who was like, oh my right. gosh, I want to dance with a so woman this too. Whole time I could have been, right. <laughs> Let me upgrade myself from the 11%. Yeah, I feel like the foley for the whispers gets louder, but Anne does not give a fuck. And neither does Sophie. To Sophie's credit, she doesn't seem to care either. She's like, whatever, I'm here to party. You're the most interesting person here, Anne Lister. Of course, that was an amazing scene. And then it cuts to a sisterly conversation where Anne is and her sister Elizabeth and her sister and Elizabeth. she is doing mom things because the sounds when the scene opens is just like cooing at a baby and we eventually hear crying and even though we cannot see Elizabeth and the cooing we can just see Anne Walker looking at what this is and that she is lost in thought in some sort of I don't know thought abyss and I feel like in that moment she's thinking damn is this going to be my life? This is what the heads do. This is what I will be doing eventually, just like my sister Elizabeth. Because the very next question is like, do you like being a mother, Ann Walker? And Elizabeth is like, oh, yes, of course. And then Ann Walker's like, I, no, no, bitch. I mean, really, <laughs> bitch. Really, can I get a real answer about motherhood? And Elizabeth's like, well, I mean, I mean, it is hard work. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you do feel like you've had your brain sucked out through your uterus. And I remember that because I was like, what? Had your brain sucked out through your uterus? That is the imagery with that. With the, right. The, it's, I, I, it's a lot, Elizabeth. Not my favorite analogy that's been on the show, I have to say. Yeah, I I was trying to math that because at first I thought she was going to say, like, from feeding and nursing? Feeling like her brain is just leaving, but still it's her <sighs> brain. And for it to be like her uterus, that's a, that's a. But image. it could be, I guess, like, I guess, I guess it could be some sort of uh, concept of like her intelligence, her autonomy brain is sacrificed for 
what is what is considered, you know, her ideal or most important aspects of her femininity, which would be what her uterus could provide, which is children, a legacy for men, etc. It could be that. Right. That just occurred to me. But even still, it was a lot. I feel like Anne was like, well, damn. And she finishes like, oh, but, you know, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not be without those bitches. I love these babies. Don't mind my postpartum. I know one is always <laughs> hanging off of me, but I do. I love these children. I just, I mean, to for her to express that vulnerability to anyone i'm sure uh the captain could care less but at least she was able to confide honestly to someone that this is like a never-ending carousel of like busy work and and upkeep with remember them in the other episode where the boy was well first one was sick the other one was drumming really loudly running into rooms the daughter never wanted to stick around say hi to her aunt so like everybody just running in different directions the crying baby just i could yeah it was a lot it was a lot and at that point our thirsty Ann Walker, who has not been as thirsty as he would like her to be, continues wondering aloud if she should just accept Sir Alexander Mackenzie's motherfucking proposal. And you're just like, no! Yeah, I wasn't with that. I wasn't with it. Horrible. Because she's just like, I guess I should get hitched and have some miniature people because what else is there to do if you're a woman still alive in these times? Which is fucking depressing as shit. And so Elizabeth was like, well, what do you want, bitch? What do you want? And poor Anne is just like, I don't know. Nothing. Doesn't matter because I can't have it anyway. So who cares? Don't ask me questions. Don't ask me questions, sister. And I felt that. I felt like, you know what? We could have a one-way honest conversation, but we can't have an honest conversation the other way, even though I really wish we could because you're my sister and I felt her pain because I was like just say the thing you want at that point why would she though no I know there's no I mean that's that's what's so sad about Anne's baby gay Anne mental state in this time is that she is just depleted all the hope and things she was holding on to has finally just like been released from her sleeves her sleeves are no longer inflated they're completely deflated and there is no hope because all the hope has to be gone for you to resign yourself to hetness when you know it's the last thing you want I mean we just have to flash back to when she was like give Beth <laughs> and now she's at fucking Elizabeth's like whatever I guess I could push out like three kids I mean you just said you just felt like you had your brain pulled through your uterus that sounds about right you I guess know, I guess that's maybe, what I'm doing too maybe I could because I'll brain. be around you at least at least at least because that's essentially her reasoning she's like well yeah when her sister is like but this is the exact opposite of everything you said just some weeks ago and she's like yeah well I'm just resigning myself to accepting the head life because I'll at least be close to you and but, kids and shit. But I mean, even if you want the head life, you're not going to want it from him. He broke. He ain't got no minus. That's essentially what Elizabeth Burt's out, that he is a loser. He is trash, hopeless, feckless. And that she definitely should marry him because, well, look at all the evidence, the receipts she provided, that he was a hobosexual grifting on Sutherland's fucking dime until Sutherland was able to find a poor woman to take this dude in. I mean, they are just, the patriarchy is something else. And the patriarchy has beaten down poor baby gay Anne because she's lost all her inspiration. She's like, well, what's the point man can we not find some odd kind of life together and it's just like oh man that's where we are oh that's where we are with ann walker how sad how sad then here comes her sister with the haymaker she was like well just you know ann lister did right (laughs) and then the the temperament just everything just flipped from sundown to sunup she was like wait what i got a letter where's the letter i don't know I don't know what the letter is. Like, I went to look for it when I tried to 
send a return envelope thanking her for all of the advice. She said it was pages of advice recommendations because I was asking her about what we could do to like offer you any kind of like assistance. And when I went to go get the return information, the letter it up and vanished. And then of course now it's like, oh well. And also I think that the captain's, you know, gunning for your monies and stuff and everything is just gone to shit. Like I it's not what I thought it would be when you first got here. Like I don't know what is going on. There's plotting amongst the people. We gotta get you out of here. You gotta get back home. I I, I we gotta figure out a way to to get you home. Yeah, she basically drops a dime on her husband that he is sketch and suspect as hell and that the letter not being able to be found is probably entirely to do with him and his shenanigans. And Ann Walker's face is just like, what? Your husband be burning shit? Like, what the fuck is going on in his house? And her sister's basically like, look, you just gotta get the fuck out. All right? Get the fuck out of this hot mess. Get the fuck out of Scotland. Save yourself from the head jaunt. Because you know what, bitch? Oftentimes, a good friendship is better than a marriage. Take it from me. A good friendship is many times better than a marriage. That was, I mean, I was happy that honesty was happening in that room. I was happy that a man did not interrupt this scene. And at the same time, I just felt like we're using adjectives like, hopeless and feckless and uh, i mean but at least you could save your sister from resigning into the situation where you find yourself in even though i know you didn't want to be alone but you also loved your sister enough to not see her squander you know her fire but i think that was also part of it she her sister was a different person and like she says in the episode when ann walker is like okay but you wanted me to like hang out with this dude and like become betrothed and she was like no because I never thought you would do it I always thought she was gonna be all your shit like fuck man the way you've been on <laughs> since we've been <laughs> since we've been kids literally people have proposed to you a number of times and and you've never taken it all of a sudden you ready to pop out some kids that took me by surprise sis it really did and so I think that was part of it that she was like you know seeing the dramatic change in Ann Walker is what activated that protective sister thing where she's like shit if my sister stays here she's gonna die she's gonna wither away and just either just disappear entirely or be miserable and i'm fucking miserable yeah i love my kids but also i'm miserable because my husband's horrible and why should we both have to suffer this way and so i'm glad that elizabeth was a was a better sister than she had been in past episodes where it's like elizabeth please get it together but she does in this episode which is fantastic i was almost about to make a i care a lot comparison no, I'm just going <laughs> to stop you entirely for making it. I care a lot comparison because nothing about that film could possibly have anything to do with Gentleman Jack, except for the fact that queer ladies are in them. I reject it. All right. So what I'll say is how people who see wards and people in their care will choose to not get them the best possible help because it feels like it'll eat into what they consider to be their inheritance, where how the captain was like, you know what? Maybe she doesn't need a doctor because the monies that would have gone into that would have been her monies, which is essentially her future husband's monies. That's an interesting and- take because he already, he said that he would see another doctor. I don't think that's, I mean, I, maybe that's part of it, but to me, you have to validate someone's being ill and care about it to address it. I think the major issue with Sutherland is the fact that he either doesn't care that Ann Walker has issues that she could use a doctor for, or he doesn't believe them because he literally told his wife, well, if she just gets some kids and something else to think about, she'll be fine, right? Along with the fresh air. And so I'm not sure that he actually has 
Yeah, he, he fully formed yeah. thoughts with intellect about like Ann Walker's health. But anyway, at the end of that scene, it's decided by Ann Walker and her sister that, that she has to get the fuck out of there. But Ann Walker's like, how, bitch? My Bugatti isn't here. My Bugatti carriage isn't here, bitch. How do I get away? Okay, so now we're in the, uh, the Priestley's estate. So the tea has been spilled. People are angry and upset. Oh, and they're, they're fighting to figure out who can get up to get to Ann Walker in first. Scotland. Yeah, and everyone's like, well, I can't well, go first, this week. Well, first, I mean, Aunt Anne, Ann Walker's Aunt Anne, she's not going anywhere in the travels. And William Priestley is being quite a bitch because he's very shook and trembly. Like, well, what do we do? But they appear to be concerned about the fact that Ann Walker is being taken advantage of yet again by unscrupulous family members because they have not looked in the mirror themselves. And so William was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm concerned, but it'll take weeks to prepare. I just, I, you know, I don't want to go by myself, first of all. So, wifey, uh, can you come with me? Because I, I don't think I can handle this by myself. And she's eye-rolling. She's like, and of course, the one who probably could get there is off in Copenhagen. Well, because they're like, well, not this week, nor can we do it next week. But maybe the week after that other week, we could totally do it. We could totally rescue her because we definitely don't want her being taken advantage of. But also at the same time, this is not a major rush for us because we're horrible people. And that's how I explain it. They're horrible people. So they're not super concerned with how quickly they need to remove Ann Walker from there. They're just like, well, we'll, we'll get there eventually. It's really stressing me out to think about having to not have propriety with these people. And I just, I can't. I need time to adjust to not having propriety in person. So three weeks. A hot old mess of a situation. Like, I cannot. These are the people who are here to help you, I guess. Yeah, and William finally decides that, okay, we should totally go when he's not there. Like, whenever he's not there <laughs> should be the time spineless. that we show up. And, yeah, he's very spineless. But Mrs. Priestley is more concerned about all the gay that could be returning to Halifax in the form of Ann Lista. And then she's like, oh, well, at least. Because you could tell she's still salty about <laughs> what didn't happen in her knickers. But she's like, at least, you know, at least Ann is still in Copenhagen and she shouldn't be back. So that won't be an issue, right? We won't have to deal with the gay jaunt when we bring her back. Okay, okay. Oh, what's this? Is it another intermission? Yeah, my glass seems to be running on empty. <laughs> it's not even a historical nightcap, but that is apropos for you, sir. So I'm glad you mentioned it to the people and I didn't have to. Yeah, guys, this is the end of part one. We out here doing parts again because we always record longer than we intend to. And the uploading service for episodes is like, chill out, relax, break this up into multiple parts, please. So we did. So if you didn't get your beverage, go ahead and get you something extra to, you know, get you through. And the next episode should be uploaded and in your queue. Oh, it's there. Oh, it's, it's there? right now. Oh, after oh, okay. this is done. Oh, great. They're going to hear part two. Yeah. So we hope you guys are having a great time thus far, reliving some of these fantastic moments of the series one finale. And here's part two coming at you right now. Enjoy. Enjoy.